Welcome to Propinquity Press, where we bring people together with the hope that that experience changes the world. We hope you enjoy this selection by author William Spangler Dunning. The Platform People Normal is simply our objective truth that is yet to be questioned by another person's point of view. As human beings, what we experience through our daily routine with those who surround our lives becomes the nearly impenetrable lens through which the meaning of normal is determined. Even as a storyteller, I struggled for years to express the unique idiosyncrasies of my family and the particular nature of my culture that produced the person I am today. This mostly stemmed from my understanding that the normal I experienced was just like everyone else's normal. Only through my travels to other parts of the world and with the reciprocal visits to my childhood home by the people whom I met in those travels did this story develop enough subjective truth to arise. Before I was to really become fully aware of my storytelling powers, my parents moved to the biggest town in the county called Ottumwa, Iowa. It was there in a neighborhood just north of the Des Moines River and equal distance from the outer geographic boundaries of the town that my understanding of normal was formed. As I grew up, my definition of normal was reinforced when I learned in school that Ottumwa is near the center of the country. People would often say that the Midwestern way of speaking was the neutral accent that all newscasters tried to imitate to better relate to the whole country somehow. I heard the word neutral to be another way of saying that the life and culture in which I was growing up was the objective normal of the United States. Deep down in the filtered part of who I am, I still believe in my childhood understandings of normal. I think all human beings, if we are honest with ourselves, still view the world and our assessment of others through our earliest experiences of these things we simply learn to call normal. It was during those early years when I was still convinced that I was most likely a Martian ambassador. My parents took my baby brother and me fishing to the hydroelectric dam. The, quote, hydro, as we called it, was a post-Second World War project that both attempted to control the impact of flooding and, as a bonus, produce an alternative supply of electricity. It was, and still is to this day, one of the icons of my hometown that has the power to reawaken those early images of normal. The hydro was not really a park, but in my family, we often used it as one. Along the downriver side of the dam were walkways and public observation areas that my parents discovered made excellent locations for family fishing adventures. When you grow up skimming just above the poverty line, you see the world for what it can be, and not so much for what it actually is, or may have been designed to accomplish. Any free public space that provided a clear sightline to the water became yet another spot for my family to spend endless hours casting our lines together, and even catching a fish if we were lucky. The two most often caught species were carp and perch. These both tasted like mud and fish goo, but were fantastically fun to try to reel in in poles that were still three times my body length. On the rare occasion when one of us would catch a catfish, it became a double win, as they too were fun to wrestle up the banks, 
but we also knew that dinner was going to be delicious. In pictures taken from that time in the life of my family, I can always put them in chronological order by simply looking at the fishing area in the background. When my brother and I were still very young, we fished on the downstream observation walkway south of the Market Street Bridge. From this location, we could see the tumultuous waters pouring through the openings in the dam upstream, but as the water made its way to us, it became simply a slow, bobbing flow, completely free of any impending danger. In my memory, I can see my father sitting on a five-gallon bucket, casting his line high into the air with the hope that as it fell back to earth and down the extra 30 feet of the river wall to the water below, his hook would land out where the big fish swam. In my mind, I see the line, held aloft in the air for those few seconds, stretching to reach its destination. As the line becomes taut, my eyes catch the twinkling of the setting sun reflecting across the waters, and I remember deeply how beautiful and peaceful those early moments were with my parents. As I grew older and stronger, we moved closer and closer to the dam. First, we moved to a public viewing platform that overlooked the mechanical metal gates that opened and closed to regulate the flow of the water. Growing taller and more experienced, we were allowed to visit the concrete walkway that hovered inches from the full force of the water surging through those same openings. Like with everything else in life, the older we became, we were encouraged to become familiar with the dangerous things in our world. I took all of this not as a nudge to jump headlong into the waters, but as yet another unintentional encouragement for my siblings and I to develop a deep enough experience of life's dangers so that we would have the strength to stand up to them or know simply to avoid them altogether. This strategy of my parents was only moderately successful, as is true with most parents who have multiple children. For some, the lesson of caution is internalized. Yet, for others, it only excites the unfiltered curiosity that numbs the prefrontal cortex of the human brain and allows us to jump into the deepest pools of personal danger. It was along that final walkway, in the constant spray of electrifying water, that our parents did their best to teach us about what was normal and the things that would help us to be okay in this world. It was only a slab of concrete, poised perilously close to the raging torrent of real and metaphorical waters. However, standing there with my parents and the other giants of that fishing subculture taught me many things that still stick to the insides of the human I have become. Amazingly, some of it even had to do with fishing. I loved our little fishing outings for all the things my parents taught me, but probably more so for the things they chose to let me learn on my own. I don't know if this educational strategy was due to the fact that neither of my parents graduated high school or if it was simply because they had the genetic predisposition to teach us without the visible trail of obvious instruction. Either way, their technique of pretending not to know all the answers helped me to learn so much more. What I do know, for sure, is that despite my own higher education degrees, I still teach my own son with the same strategy. My father taught me the basics of casting my line with an old Zebco 202 rod and reel. He showed me how to press and release the wedge-shaped button with my thumb with just the right timing to allow my line to sling from the end of the pole without getting tangled. 
with this rudimentary lesson, he sent me off on my own to practice without intervention. Over time, with a few mishaps along the way, I developed the ability to send my baited hook anywhere I wished it to go. I added to what he taught me and applied his lessons in ways he never imagined. But I like to believe this was secretly what he wanted me to do all along. He seemed to confirm this hope of his, as just as I mastered the close quarters cast, something he never taught me. He invited me down to the lower platform filled with experts in the field of dangerous fishing. The places we frequent when we are young and the people who stand beside us when we are making our first casts into the river of life greatly affect what we see and understand as normal human behavior. Whenever I had the chance to stand on that fishing platform and take in the humid air laced with odors of gangrenous rotting liver, the preferred bait for catfish fishing, I was filled with two lasting truths for my life. The first was that only some of the odors were emanating from the bait, as many of those giants had been too long in the same set of clothes while they waited for their dream fish to take their line. And second, standing with my parents, those same deeply fragrant experts would all nod their head or lift up a smile in my direction as the cast of my line flew farther and farther from the physical reality of that platform. Now that I have traveled so far from that fishing platform, I often gag at the smell of rotting anything. The people and places my parents introduced us to were never purely one thing or another, and often bore the barnacles of life's difficulties. I think the first time I realized this in a concrete way was with the people of that platform. My mother whispered in my ear each time we ascended the steps after visiting the platform, You will need to take a bath tonight. Yet we would return to that platform and those people multiple times as I grew up into a young teenager. So it was clear to me, even then, that there was something other than bad personal hygiene that my parents hoped I would learn from our many visits to the dangers of that platform. I know very well that some of those who gathered perpetually on that platform were fishing for their life, both for food they could not afford and for answers of happiness that they would never catch. I know that some of them likely slept under the Market Street Bridge, and some were just there because it was easier to stay away from the struggles happening in their actual home. I know these people were imperfect and flawed, and yet somehow, in the midst of the pain that life had dealt them, they found within themselves the ability to encourage a young boy like myself to cast just a little farther than their own lines were able to reach. The penetrating truth in my memory is that I never knew them in the way you really know someone. I only knew them by their nicknames they used for each other. Big Tooth, Grandpop, Grunt, and the name that made me giggle back then and still even a little today, Fartbox. Fartbox had received his name after demonstrating his ability to create a low vibration that, with the help of the crate he sat upon, would vibrate at frequencies so low that it could be felt up and down the platform. These vibrations were often inaudible over the rushing waters, but could be felt as a tingling sensation by others as they held the thin lines of their poles. This was likely another one of those lessons or experiences that my parents, particularly my mother, would rather I had not learned. When I think about it now, I don't really know exactly why those 
platform fishermen, in what seemed uncharacteristic for them, reached out and encouraged me. They seemed to know my father from another time in his life, and maybe that is why they chose to treat me the way they did. Perhaps they hoped in an act of a simple smile they could prevent me from becoming as jaded and pessimistic as they had become. And maybe they just hoped that with a small nod of their head, I would remember them. I guess in the act of writing the story, I have. Part of the struggle of being a storyteller is that with the passing of time, our images of the critical moments in our lives become imprecise and clouded by the questions we never knew we should have asked. My parents never sat me down and explained what they meant by their everyday actions. They simply took us fishing over and over with those platform people. We smelled like rotting liver, and I was left to interpret what they wanted me to learn through the other clues they shared with me beyond their words. With time, I came to experience and interact with many other groups of people, some who resembled the smells of those platform people, and some who came from parts of society that seemed virtually odorless, or still others who, particularly on Sunday mornings, were overloaded with sweet floral perfumes that with one hug would cling to my old factory receptors for hours. From our earliest moments as human beings, we learn how to determine who is in our group or social status and who is not. This is likely a leftover evolutionary skill designed to protect us from the dangers that come from beyond our known world or cultures. If this is really true, my parents were descended from a different tree altogether, or perhaps they too were from Mars. I cannot say for sure what I was supposed to learn, but what I do know is that when I meet people today, I begin with a foundational memory of rotting liver that equalizes each encounter. You just can't act too uppity or superior when you are under the influence of such rancid odors, real or imaginary. Whether or not it was the intended lesson of my parents in those fishing outings, I learned to see people as human beings with at least one thing worth experiencing. When you have fished with the platform people and lived through some of the deepest and darkest smells of humanity and yet still see their smiles in your memory, well, then you will have become the kind of human being my parents hoped I would when they took me fishing in my childhood. I was still unsure of the validity of my Martian origin theory, but even if I was born a human being, something was transformed in me because of those visits with the platform people.